and uh, first off, thanks for the, um, uh, let us say, the review. Yeah, and, is that helpful? Well, it's helpful for you. Yes, I've reviewed this stuff. Oh, well, yeah, I'm sure you know. <laughs> Just got to stuck glad... my memory and like kind of. Yes. Um, and so. Um, you made a point about relaxation, and so let's go back and recover that. Yeah. Um, Relaxation, actually, uh, when we talk about it, we can think of it in uh, both the body and also the feelings. But um, in fact, the uh, uh, the word comes, uh, the Pali word is pasa. And it and it's actually the same word that's in vipassana. Oh, OK. All right, and that it has the quality of uh, being passive or at rest. Mm -hmm. And that we can see that with uh, with the body. Uh, and that many times people will think of all the relaxation of the body only happens because I'm sitting in tough sit postures. For long periods of time and work out all of the uh, the stresses and things like that. This is what I find uh, coming kind of out of the Goenka uh, Vipassana Mahasi tradition mm -hmm. is, is that the relaxation of the body um, is slow. But really, what we're talking about here is um, part of the attitude of relax. Oh, okay. Yeah. That when we relax the attitude, we can also uh, more relax the body. And there's also the additional point about that it's hard to relax the body when the mind has fear. And so relaxing the emotions, relaxing the body, and of uh, relaxing our attitude all work together. Yeah, to bring us into a relaxed kind of um, everything is OK state. Yeah, because what like that fear, like I think you kind of mentioned this, that's going to be like make your body like kick off a bunch of chemicals that are going to make your muscles tighten up. So like, yeah, it makes sense, you know, if you mm -hmm. relax that fear or you're not like gripping it, then you wouldn't have those chemicals, your body would be able to relax. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about the attitude of relaxation more so than the like being it's, like forcing my, trying to force my muscles to relax. Right. Uh, that, it, that in fact, um, trying to relax the body and working on just relaxing the body through either breathing or by sitting for long periods of time uh, does have some benefit. I can't deny it, yeah. but I wonder about the cost benefit analysis, the ratio. Uh, was it really worth the effort? Uh, sometimes I think, yes, it was. And sometimes I think, no, I could have done better than that. <laughs> um, but the um, the way that we can continue to look at it is is that not only is this um, relaxation um, in the Anapanasati Sutta is part of the body. It's the fourth. In fact, it's number four on the list. If we think of Anapanasati as 16 stages, then uh, in and out on a long breath and then in and out on a shorter breath and then uh, uh, experiencing the body. And that it's controversial as to whether it's um, uh, experienced the whole body or experiencing only the body of the breath. So were you saying you said in and out on the long breath, in and out on the short breath? Mm -hmm. I thought we were just taking long breaths. Well, 
we work primarily with the with the long breath. The shorter breath has particular values and uses that we don't normally talk about, and in fact, I don't until the student begins to ask. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, the important point right now that we're talking about, though, is is this step three. Then is the relaxation of the body, or step four is the relaxation of the body. But a lot of it has to know the body in the sense that, that you're watching the body and you know that it's relaxed. That it's not a matter of somebody say, are you relaxing? You say, sure. No, this is an investigation and an inspection. Yeah. OK, and you're saying there's some uh, controversy or there's some like debate over whether or not you're watching the whole body or just the, the just a body, body of breath. The breath. OK, actually, the the I'll give you well. Um, I'll show, I'll tell you about it in several ways. One of it is, is that in the Anapanasati Sutta, the uh, 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 Bhikkhu Bodhi translation that actually came from Anomaly in the 1950, he has in brackets of the breath, which means clearly it's not in the Pali. Mm-hmm. And Tanishara has pointed this out to him, and at one time they had a conversation that after the first edition was, was published, that that phrase of the body, or uh, of the breath, excuse me, would be taken out. After four editions now, hasn't been removed. That, uh, uh, that uh, phrase in uh, square brackets. Okay, so they leave oh, in the... the breath is still there. Okay, mm -hmm. the next point is is that with the Goenka method, clearly, clearly in their scanning, they do the whole body, mm -hmm. and yet mostly we're concerned with the breath. All right, so basically, what we could say is kind of like a one-two punch that the whole body of breath is the bigger part. And then the rest of the body is uh, of a lesser value while sitting. But then they begin to get more balanced when we're not in the sitting posture. In other words, when we're out using our hands and our arms, we should be aware of what they're doing to begin yeah. to focus on the whole body. That in fact, uh, uh, I agree with Tanisaro that in fact it should be removed. To allow oh, okay. the whole body there, uh, but that um, that's just you know one of the things that uh, the 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 question is important. Well, there's like a well an element of air that you can feel. Well, yeah, that you can kind of feel throughout your body in an in breath, in an out breath. I mean, I don't I don't know if that's what you mean by like. Body of the yes, breath. you you can, but it has more to do with, let us say, a neurological connection than it does with the lungs going right down there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. See, it's more like these things are affected by the breath as opposed to like. Oh, absolutely, that's true. Oh, absolutely, and the main effect has to do with the blood. Hmm that your breath really does have a major impact upon uh, um, what the chemical makeup of the blood, even to the point of the pH level. That's really kind of interesting if you think about it. Yeah. Okay. That what we do is, is that we make carbon dioxide and then breathe it out, right? Do you know what carbon dioxide dissolved in water actually is? No, <laughs> other than called, like fizzy drinks. It's called carbonic acid. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. And it is also referred to as acid rain. Yeah. When there's a lot of carbon dioxide in a, in a fluid, that means that the pH level really starts to spike. Mm. And in fact, that is the mechanism that the reptilian part of the brain uses that it measures the pH level, and when the pH level gets uh, uh, tilted in the, in the direction of acid to a great degree, that's when the body automatically starts breathing. Mm 
is to re realign that. Oh, really? Is there's like a that's really interesting. That's how you kind of decide to breathe like automatically, mm -hmm. based on the pH level. Well, just run up a hill to see level. what happens yeah. to your breathing. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, that's really neat. And so, uh, just to clarify, you're saying that you agree with Tarasano? Is that his name? Um, yes, Achan Tanisaro, I agree. Tanisaro, you agree with him in that the of the body should be removed. The whole, right, of the breath. Of the breath removed. should be removed. Uh -huh. So, because he says in, the whole body and then he put in of breath. In fact, all you have to do is go back to the uh, uh, Satipatthana Sutta. And you will see that part of the uh, the Kaya Nupassana is, in fact, to begin watching the body. It actually yeah. gives a long list of things. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine why, like, uh, having... Walking, reaching, touching, going to the toilet, going to eating, uh, and, it, and it has a long list of things. So watch what you're doing with your hands when you're out moving your hands. When you're moving your hands, notice them. When they're sitting still, there's not much to notice. However, there's some other things to do when they're standing still. And this is what they would call mudras. Okay. One of them would be to hold the thumbs together and to begin to experience the touch as they begin to touch, that you can actually expand your sensory awareness this way. Another one is this thing, is, is that how close do you touch your finger to the thumb? Uh, with this, it's easier to tell which thumb feels what, but with this, it's a little bit more difficult. Does the th thumb uh, touch the finger or does the finger touch the thumb? And this, this is worth playing with. This is really to get, if you want to know the body, these are the kind of things that... Uh, uh, that if you have the time <laughs> oh, okay. to, do, uh, to begin to experiment with. So that'd be a mudra to, of like yeah, watching Yeah, to your... rub the hands together and to get a good feel for all of the sensations. That's really interesting. So yeah, you could rub your, yeah, so the mudra is kind of, you can ponder or like, you can try to think about like, you know, what's touching what. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. That would help you kind There's... of see how your mind's working. Right, exactly. There's another one that is called touch the earth. The mudra that has the hand on the knee touching down towards the dirt or towards the earth where the, uh, the person is sitting with the understanding that when they're in the fourth jhana and they lose um, feeling of the, uh, the touch of the earth, they lose sensation of gravity, giving the feeling of being 40 feet tall giving the feeling of flying, then the touch of the earth, just to touch the earth, yes, I'm still on the ground, and I don't have to do any more than that. It's just a tiny little touch. This is called the touch of the earth, to make sure that you're still there. <laughs> oh, so noticing that you're touching the earth, because otherwise, like, you could be thinking that you're flying otherwise around. Otherwise, you or... have the sensation that you're flying. That's that... really, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so what, like, yeah, I guess, like, by noticing that, yeah, you'd be directing your attention to the contact between the feet and the floor, and that would, yes, that would give you, coming well, back, we're talking about, like, the, coming back to sensory awareness. In that case, just momentarily coming back into sensory awareness, but a whole lot of what the Buddha's practice is about be here now means to be in our senses receiving information from the outside world and then mm -hmm. do very, very little or no processing of it so that we can just be aware of sensory input. Yeah. All right. Which means that we're not doing a lot of burning and churning and thinking about anything. Mm -hmm. We just being in the, in the, the physical world and the sensual world and continuing with that. All right, so if, in fact, if we are in the sensual world, then we're probably more relaxed because we're not paying any particular attention to anything. 
as opposed to becoming alert because we've heard a sound, a noisy sound, maybe a, an animal off in the uh, jungle or something. And so that's when the body becomes a different kind of alert as opposed to just open. It's almost like when you lay, see the dog laying there, is the dog sleeping or he is merely relaxed and listening? actually for some reason and sometimes you can tell if the ear is standing up then you know that he's listening oh, but many yeah. many many breeds that the ears fall naturally anyway and so they don't stand up but if the dog is just laying there and he looks like he's even dead or asleep or whatever but that ear is standing up you know he's fully awake but he's completely relaxed yeah it, it reminds me of like a it's spider season right now, so there's a bunch of spiders everywhere. And like, if I if I am alert and I think I see a spider, then it's a completely different picture in front of me than if like it's actually just the grass. I don't know. Like, there's like an overlay. Like, as soon as you get attention, like as soon as you're thinking about it, mm -hmm. the the world you're in is completely different. Like that looks like a spider over there, but then when you discover it's snow, it's just the way the twigs are laying. Then it's more of a sensory experience. Yes. Now two. Two different people can do two different things with that same sensory experience of was it a spider or not? No, it's not. One, the loser will say, oh, that means that I don't know where the spiders are. Oh, it's really dangerous. And the one who has the attitude of the lion says, wow, I'm really good at this. I could distinguish now spiders versus uh, twigs crossed. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, interesting. It's a, yeah, you could either go back to fear or like, mm -hmm. or you so are you like, going ah. to stay relaxed or are you going to um, um, go into a state of um, anxiety, fear, worry, any of that kind of stuff? This is why, in fact, relaxation is such a part of it. Now, I find it curious that in the various places of the formal definition of jhana, that relaxation is not mentioned. And yet in some places where jhana is talked about, it specifically goes through the steps that shows the body getting relaxed. Hmm. And it is also part of Anapanasati Sutta, which at one time Bhikkhu Buddhadasa made the point, is that the Anapanasati Sutta is the practice designed to get one into the first jhana. And there it is. Right there, step number four, the relaxation of the body. And you have to say, okay, got that. That in fact, though it's not uh, often listed in the formal definitions, that in fact being relaxed is part of it. Hmm. Okay. Um, and in so in, in, in that regard, you could say that perhaps the first jhana has six factors. Now, there's another point, and that is, is that it does now be, show up as a factor of enlightenment in the Sambhojana, and that the relaxation of the body was not listed in the Eightfold Noble Path or Method as one of the skills to be developed. Mm -hmm. That's curious. Is it Numbers because we... It, it's oh go ahead all right uh in the eightfold noble method of the eightfold noble path it's not a skill to be developed but it is part of the outcome in that regard it would look like that it's not uh even though in the anapanasati sutta it does talk about that relaxation is a skill to be developed it looks like that it's not in isolation, that it's got to be done along with other things. Hmm. Okay. So that it winds up being, in fact, the result, this kind of relaxation that we're talking about, is the result of joy and satisfaction. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like. I don't know. I mean, I hesitate to say, but like, I can't will myself into relaxation. 
I mean, I could like kind of mimic it. I can be like, you know, good inhale, like, ah, oh, I'm so relaxed, like on the exhale, but maybe are you saying it's more of a side effect of these other skills that we can build? Right. It's more of a, a side skill uh, mm -hmm. that's developed along with joy. An example of that is someone's really agitated and upset and his friends come and tell him to calm down. He's not until they tell him he's okay. Mm -hmm. When he finds out that he's okay, then he can, in fact, drop his guard, and that's also part of the relaxation. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right, okay. So, this so by, like, cultivating quite, joy. Mm -hmm. And so here, with our way of going even deeper into that, is to learn that we can, in fact, relax uh, in the... In the um, uh, example that I gave with the guy relaxing out of his anxiety, that's still quite a state of tension as compared to the kind of relaxation that we're talking about in the practice. Mm -hmm. That there's a deeper level of relaxation that's just like <sighs> really deep, everything is just kind of okay. Everything's alright. And so um, that that joy and satisfaction, along with the experience of the body uh, and the, uh, the noting of the body, uh, brings on then the relaxation. But that uh, the joy and satisfaction is a primary ingredient, and you can see that right there in the Angatara Nikaya Sutta that I'm referencing in my mind. Let's see, it's it. Uh, I've forgotten it. <laughs> it's in the fives. That my 5.26. Okay. This is the one. The 5.26 when he's talking about it. Uh, that uh, the relaxation comes in order. It's like pity and then relaxation and then the sukha. And you can mm -hmm. see that exactly with the uh, uh, they're at the uh, they're at the sports field. The guy gets a touchdown. He spikes the ball. Everybody says hurrah. That's a great state of pity. Everybody comes in, but after a little short dance, what do they do? Is they hug each other. They relax and they feel really satisfied. So that's in fact the sequence that it happens to that the Buddha is talking about. I think I got PD and Sukha mixed up. I thought PD was like that energy. That's like, is PD like the like victory kind of feeling? And then it's Sukha. like, boom, the, the gun goes off. Okay, and yeah. And everything relaxes in Sukha's the relaxation. Satisfaction. Uh -huh. Sukha's a re satisfaction. And it is that's a relax the relaxation. It goes so far as then to say that Sukha is the relaxation of the pity. Okay. Which is the win, the realization, yeah, I can do this. <sighs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, you have that this swell of PD, and then it's got to go somewhere, I guess. Uh -huh. And it would resolve so in, in that, the sukha. So the pity comes first, and then the relaxation. And so you could go so far as to say that the pity relaxation is the uh, winds up into the into the sukha, but that sukha also has the quality of opaka and samati in the Pali. The opaka is balanced, and samati means collected together. This is the unification now of the mind. Is when we know that we can do this, we've got the job well done, and we're satisfied in this moment, and we become completely um, unified and the mind is sharp and focused and fit for work. Mm. Now, if this sharp, focused, fit for work, now, at that point, what are we going to do with a mind that's sharp and focused and fit for work? We're going to make sure that the thoughts that we have are wholesome. Mm-hmm. And we're going to make sure that the thoughts that we have are, uh, that are unwholesome are disregarded as soon as they're recognized. Mm -hmm. 
that in fact you can see that unwholesome thoughts will in fact drag you out of your relaxation. If you're really relaxed and satisfied and then you have a thought about, oh, I've got to get that job done, now all of a sudden we're no longer as relaxed. Yeah. Okay. Then in fact, uh, with a sharp mind, you'd be able to see the tension and the anxiety that comes into the body when those thoughts come up. But in fact, I had that situation, uh, oh, it was a couple of months ago, but it's real, really worth remembering because it was a sequence of events. One, the new computer came without all of its equipment. Later, I found out that part of the equipment it didn't have was a camera. So now I go looking for a camera and there's no camera on the island except for one that's really, really expensive. All right. So now I've set myself up and we so now we're in the car or in the truck tooling into Big C to see if any of the uh, knowing that none of the merchants here have any video cameras in stock. All right. Mm -hmm. And that's when I recognize there's that anxiety. Yeah, no, yeah. It, there it is. I've got it. Okay. But it's very, very light. But it's not a relaxed feeling. And so as we're pulling into the parking lot, I start deep breathing and say, you know, I don't need that camera today. It's really all right. As it turned out, it was quite a quest. Just this week, <laughs> I've finally gotten that camera because I, I ordered three cameras in a row and all of them were wrong. And the reason for it was is because I was ordering it from Lazada in Thailand and they use the word Zoom differently than we do in English. Oh, no. So you're, <laughs> yeah. And so I kept getting a camera that would be just really up close when like uh, huge, and all yeah. it would see is just a little part of the face. And so I had to get a wide angle lens. <laughs> Sounds like a real quest. <laughs> right. But but recently with all of that, no anxiety, no tension, because I've been mindful of that. Yeah, so we want to. So part of that, like, yeah, we want to maintain that what attention or like samadhi to be able to notice when these things are creeping in before they like become full blown attachments or mm -hmm. some exactly. like that. And so you're saying like while you were hunting for that camera, it's like, yeah, you could see like the things that would, you know, cause anxiety, kind of see the components and just kind of like, hey, mm -hmm. let's think about something wholesome instead. Right. Like not feeling anxiety, like taking a deep breath and relaxing and relaxing. Yeah, relaxing. I don't need the camera today. Like, Don't need the camera right now. Don't need yeah. it. <laughs> and so this is the way of, but we need to be sharp so that we have that sati. That's why sati is such an important skill. Hmm. So that we can wake up to look to see what the body is doing. Are we relaxed or not? That's part of the investigation, in fact, it's really worthwhile putting in there. It's not the investigation of what the, what the mind is doing, but what the body is doing. How relaxed is it? What kind of breathing are we taking? You know, where is the tension, et cetera, like that? This is a part of all of the investigation of keep looking and keep looking. So... Part of what we want to keep looking at, not just the body and the feelings, but also the beginner's job is to start monitoring the content of the mind. To make sure that it's not dwelling in the past and not in the future, but there's more to it than that. And that is bringing the Dhamma into it. And I was always kind of confused as how to introduce that to the student. But now that I understand it completely, I can explain it this way. That while a teacher and a student are talking Dhamma, explaining the Dhamma, working with the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Noble Path, at that time, both the teacher and the student have wholesome thoughts. By definition. Yeah. And if the student gains inspiration from that conversation, 
then that inspiration will be enough to kick off the joy and the relaxation and the complete focus. And the student can very easily go into first jhana while he's in a conversation with his teacher. Yeah, I occasionally like try to recall our conversations. <laughs> like if I'm sitting there, it's like, I don't know, it's like anything wholesome thing. I'm like, oh, well, like I had good conversations with you. I can think about that. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Or when a student is just off by himself with not any particular intention of meditation, but in fact is in uh, mulling over the second noble truth, the first noble truth, recognizing that at this moment he is in fact in the third noble truth. And we can begin to do that investigation right then. Even if you're driving down the road, you can still fall into a state of really, really nice, solid, uh, uh, not concentration, but focus. And in fact, that's possibly the ideal way of driving a car, as opposed to being distracted by our own mind or a cell phone or a sandwich or kids in the back seat or a pretty girl on the road or whatever like that, you know. There's all kinds of distractions out there. And that's what causes automobile accidents. But if we can mindfully focus the mind, on what we're doing, then we have less traffic accidents. And one of the ways of doing that is by focusing on the here now. And that we can get into that state fairly easy by recognizing the here now in the form of the Dhamma. So there are several suttas where uh, it is referred to as not only is the here now, what's actually happening in this moment as wholesome, as opposed to the past and future not being wholesome. But also the Dhamma itself is a body of literature in reference to the here now, which is part of the investigation. Is this suffering? What's yeah. the cause of this suffering, et cetera, like that? So by doing that practice and looking at the Four Noble Truths, that's a very wholesome thing to stay uh, to keep in the mind. So if you would say that, well, what is wholesome and what is unwholesome, you could basically say the Dhamma in relationship to the here now is the most wholesome thing that you can do. So would it be okay to, okay, say Dhamma with respect to the here now, like um, I'm conducting an investigation, like is there joy here? That question, like when I say it to myself, seems like kind of inherently like wholesome like right. if we're doing our investigation we're like is there relaxation like is there wholesome like these mm -hmm. sort of like thoughts yes they're not unwholesome <laughs> i mean at least no these thoughts of investigation that is, like things that i know it. about the dhamma yeah mm -hmm. yeah and, that explains a lot i was kind of wondering i was like oh is it because like i have to think about like what that what joy is like in some way and like I can kind of see that bubbling up and so then it's like kind of good feeling but it's yeah that makes sense it's like in relation to the Dhamma so like these things would be wholesome right okay but thoughts about what I was doing in the past or what I'll be doing in the future or thoughts about who am I without that because who am I winds up being who I am in relation to hindrances yeah but when we look at it from who am I in relationship to the Dhamma, we come up with different understandings. That in fact, this is the whole idea of the personality view, that we, if we can understand how the mind works, then we can understand that who I actually am is just merely a part of a process. Mm -hmm. And that uh, uh, it because of it's a process with various different inputs, that means that who I am changes on a regular basis. That who I am comes and goes. Yeah, so like, are you saying kind of like, you know, if I'm, if I say like, I am anxious, that's going to be like composed of a whole bunch of things. And like, one of those things is like, maybe the thoughts that I'm having. And so by like changing those thoughts, like I'm in a way like kind of taking away mm -hmm. like its ability to 
arise arise or like be be like in my mind okay one of the ways that people refer to themselves as the self is kind of like in relationship to the personality who i am is my personality yeah the most important quality that we can understand from the dhamma is just that personality is not fixed yes because every religion will tell you that it is fixed Mm -hmm. every one of them will tell you that it's fixed the hindus will tell you oh what's happening in your right life right now is a result of old karma you can't do anything about it yeah this is what the brahmins would tell the sudras to keep them in their place what is their place to be the servants of the brahmins Mm -hmm. okay this is all the whole point about race in america is to keep them in their place so that we can enjoy the status that we have being better than they are Mm -hmm. okay so we have this kind of personality that's built right into the culture it's built into the religion original sin you got to take jesus as your savior And what we're beginning to understand through the Four Noble Truths is none of that is true. I am not my personality, and the personality itself is not even fixed. For sure, I don't have the same personality I did when I was six years old. Yeah. For sure. We're we're just like a (laughs) collection of like sensory inputs and like um, our attention towards those and a bunch of other things probably. Mm -hmm. And then that and, feels and like the, me in this moment, does, but you know, with different with different sensory inputs or different like thoughts or attention, that can change. Like and, I mean, and it just appears to be stitched together now, into a big continuous stream. Sorry. Exactly. So what we begin to understand is is that our past affects us a whole lot more than we would like it to. Mm-hmm that we get into habit patterns or ways of doing things that kind of build up over time. So that if one kid, um, let us say, develops a favorite feeling of anger, then he, when he grows up, he's going to be exhibiting that feeling often. But most of us develop uh, feelings around fear and uh, intimidation and we feel like that we're not up to the task and that there's a lot of pressure on us to perform and um all of these kind of other social things that get put onto us then become part of our personality when in fact we wouldn't really want it to be okay yeah. so we wind up with aspects of our personality that are actually harmful And so what we would want to do then is to say, okay, from now on, we're going to actually develop and therefore store away wholesome thoughts, wholesome feelings, wholesome sensations of the body, et cetera, like that. So that in the future, when I start to put together the reality of the moment, I'll be using more wholesome input data as opposed to the really old stuff that I used to tap into. Yeah, it's one of the things we had the power to change or like. Exactly. So if we keep piling on hindrances, if we keep piling on bad feelings, then naturally we will continue to develop the habit of that. But if we start to change our feelings, if we start to change our thought patterns for something more wholesome, then that means is that over time that layers on top of the old stuff so that now we quite automatically naturally feel better than we used to because we're using uh new we're developing new habits that's yeah, we're, basically yeah we're changing our reaction to whatever's coming in. So like where in the past it might recall a bad memory, 
you know, maybe we'll have a little bit of joy mixed in or like something else wholesome. And then that would produce a different output. Mm -hmm. Now, generally, that stuff happens fairly, um, let us say, slowly over a period of uh, weeks, months. And things that happen over the course of weeks and months are hard to see. But sometimes there's a kind of a stark, remarkable change that someone can have that has to do with maybe a traumatic event or something. Um, an example of that would be, uh, let us say, some obscure scientist automat uh, was, uh, because it's a big surprise generally, was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. His mm -hmm. attitude about his science is going to change. Okay. It is also possible like that for a student to be talking to a meditation teacher or to a psychologist and begin to put things together and bang. It was almost as strong a hit as uh, being awarded a Nobel Prize. Like he, he forgives himself for harming someone or something like that. And so in that way, uh, some things can happen really quickly. But generally, it happens more slowly because we keep having to layer stuff on top of it. In other words, we can come and put in a great big new layer all at one time. But generally, no, it's much slower than that. We have to layer it on over and over and over again. It's sort of like it takes three or four coats of paint. If you're painting, uh, let us say, a, uh, a, a red painted house, you're painting it white. You're going to have to pay many, many coats of paint over that before that red doesn't show through anymore. Yeah, we have like so much time, bad habits and like unwholesome and, thoughts. So it makes sense that it would. Yeah, you need a right. couple cuts of paint. And so in in this way, part of the wholesome thoughts would be then to to watch the way that the Four Noble Truths begins to affect one's personality, that you are making changes, that we can used used to be that when we get angry, we just get angry. And even people tell us we're angry. We're still, no, I'm not angry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show you. <laughs> All right. But then later, when someone tells us we're angry, we'll, be, we'll see it. And we'll say, yeah. And then we want to cool off. Anybody who actually sees their own anger wants to not be in it. Yeah. All right. In fact, the Buddha has a story about that. I think that there was five items that he listed, but he said that uh, if you had an enemy, someone that you didn't like and wished uh, ill will towards them, you would like it if, number one, they lost all of their friends, number two, they became very ugly, number three, they had uh, uh, um, uh, uncontrollable actions couldn't control themselves anymore, things like that. And then the Buddha says that when someone is angry, they have all of that. When someone's angry, they've lost their friends. When someone is angry, they don't get what they want. When somebody's angry, they even become ugly and can't control themselves. Mm. They can't think straight. Uh -huh. So if you want to be your own enemy, then become angry. Because that will happen, yeah. dog. <laughs> All of those bad things will happen to you. Yeah, and when like you begin, <laughs> you're wishing your this your enemy's luck onto yourself almost. <laughs> or like what you would have if you want your enemy. You're just like giving it back to yourself. Yeah, that makes that's crazy. Okay, so when we understand anger that way, then we will naturally say, "Wait a minute, I don't want to be in that state." But it mm -hmm. takes some introspection because some people say, oh, it's okay to be angry. Yeah, some people say that. Yeah, I've got, yeah, those people are so bad. It's really okay that not only am, am I angry, but there's so much bad people because they do this, that, and the other thing that the doctor that's in charge, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. That's happened quite often in the United States. The right to lifers kill abortion doctors. 
Yeah, I was thinking I've just heard like meditation people tell me it's okay to be angry. <laughs> I don't know. I guess they don't really mean like be angry though. They're not like sustained anger. They mean it's okay to have those feelings pop up or something like that. Well, but. once we recognize that, that angry feelings are unwholesome, then we decide that we're going to stop. And so we begin to look at it uh, in the sense of um, how do I know I'm angry? The answer is if I'm yelling at somebody, I'm angry. Therefore, if I'm yelling at somebody, I should shut up. Yeah. And then we can say, well, maybe I can learn that if I'm angry, I don't have to be yelling and yelling. I can just make one yell. And then I'll know I'm angry. And then mm-hmm. I can shut up. And then uh, even later, uh, I began to recognize, oh, I'm about to get angry. So now is the time to shut up. It says I'm angry, but I haven't spoke yet. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now I have a chance to do something about it. And one of the things I can do about it is say, yeah, I caught it. I caught it before I made a fool of myself. Yeah. And now I can become pleased and now I can change my feeling because of my attitude. And I don't have to be angry at whatever I was angry at. Now I can feel good that I caught the anger before I harmed some myself, harmed someone or myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is what we mean by one layer of uh, coat of white paint after another. Over time, we can cover up that anger completely, and it just doesn't even get out. Yeah, we're like looking at our lives, we're reflecting on the here and now, like in the Dhamma, being like, oh, like, you know. I respond to this skillfully, that's great. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's, that's satisfying. Exactly. If we behave skillfully, then that's a win. Hmm. And we should take credit for that win. Yeah, and allow ourselves to have the good feeling of the celebration of, wow, I'm really glad I didn't get angry. <laughs> yeah. And by doing that, now we have some joy at what we were ang- uh, in the place of being angry. So perhaps who we were angry at Now we can spread joy back to them, that we don't have to buy their anger and be angry because they're angry. We can be happy instead. Yeah. And you just saw the events that we went through to get into that state. So that's at, like, the big macro level. But, like, even at the, like, micro level when we're meditating, like, we can be happy that we caught Mara, that we are like, ha-ha, like, I see you, and, like, let go of that. Mm Mm-hmm. is that another way, like kind of the Dhamma, like with respect to the yes. here and now? All the way back to Shati, that we're yeah. developing Shati on the cushion and developing Shati throughout the day so that we can, in fact, have the Shati when we need it the most. Wow, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right, we need it the most when we need it the most when we're about to get angry. That's yeah. when we need Shati. When mm-hmm. I'm about to hurt myself, that's when we need sati. When I'm about to hurt someone else, that's when we need sati, to wake mm-hmm. up, all right? If we, in fact, can wake up and not behave the way that we used to behave, that means now that we are, in fact, modifying and changing the personality. It's not fixed. Mm-hmm. You are not who you thought you were. <laughs> is there a lot of target? <laughs> so yeah, you were talking about Sadi. Um, so is there like a lot of like PD? Like, say we're getting angry, we're in the process of being angry. Is there a lot mm-hmm. of like PD, like kind of culminating into that, like could be expressed in anger, but like when we decide to be you're like talking, I guess, now, about righteous anger. When I am no, right saying like know- before, like before, like I'm angry that I stubbed my toe. Like, is there like a lot of like PD like building up and then like one way we could be like I hate you like whatever I stub my toe on but the other way be like Saudi like letting that energy express itself like wholesomely I guess or just being like ah like I'm angry and then like just letting it go absolutely the 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 problem that I had when you were talking about was was building up I would say at that point is is that it's quite a relief or it's part of the release of wow 
even though I've stubbed my toe, I don't have to to hate. You know, I can. Yeah, like maybe we can be angry, but we can also just there can be relief and be like, ah, I stubbed my toe. Like move on. Mm -hmm. Cool, but yeah, there's like that pee, like that energy can be like either shoved into the anger and the forming, or like yeah, and like the anger or whatever, or it could be like resolved into sadi, and that's like we want that resolution into sadi. We want that resolution. In fact, everything about like reading into the weeds too much or but yeah thanks <laughs> no no this is exactly what each one of us has to go through to uh deal with these feelings so that we come to a resolution this is if it if it in fact is the weeds yes but we need to be doing this kind of gardening <laughs> yeah and the sati is kind of the gardening there it's like well, the sati is the wake-up call. Go do the gardening. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, we got to remember that we got to do this kind of gardening. That we got to watch what the mind is doing. That, in fact, that, uh, uh, like I said, though, um, sati, we develop it as a skill so that we can bring it up or it becomes available when we need it most. Yes. That's gotcha. the point. Just exactly when we need it most. And when do we need it most? Right sure. before we hurt ourselves or we hurt someone. Yeah, Sadi. So Sadi, like, it's that awareness to, dang, I keep confusing him. But yeah, Sadi was like that, um, dang, I'm sorry, could you define Sadi for me one more time? Wake up and look at what you're doing. Actually, yeah, sorry, that's yeah, both okay. yeah, wake up and look at what you're doing. That's the investigation. They come, they come twin. Okay, yeah, that makes you sense. You can so hear it that. also in the frame of wake up and smell the coffee. Yeah, okay. Okay, basically what we're talking about is come into sensual awareness. Get out of the head and into our sensual awareness in the sense of what do we feel? What's our body doing? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah, we need that sati like before we get angry, and that sati lets us see that, and or at least rather than like letting unwholesomeness in, it lets us help weed the garden. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So this is where the eightfold noble path and the four noble truths comes into play in a very, very intimate and um, uh, connected way. For the present moment of seeing this dukkha, see the anger as it arises, recognize that this is a feeling of not liking, but the not liking does not have to go to from I don't like it into I've got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Angry is the feeling of I've got to do something about it. I'm right and they're wrong and I feel bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so I've got to do something about it. That's a kind of grasping and clinging. Yeah. In a way, it's like being in prison, or even worse, it's like being in hell. Yeah, there's no choice. It's like autopilot. It's just like herd, or not herd mentality, but yeah, it's like programs effect. Right. Old programs, we go on automatic pilot, but if we have sati, we can get that bad, uh, let us say, the negative feeling, I don't like this. But then we can deal with that feeling only because we haven't spoken up. We haven't gotten agitated. We're just recognizing that I don't like it. Yeah, we can still have a choice. Uh-huh. So an example of that would be um, uh, the child that is throwing a tantrum. Mm-hmm. And when we hear that child screaming, we don't like it. So what does most moms and dads do when their six-year-old or actually four-year-old is throwing a tantrum, two-year-old is throwing a tantrum? They throw one, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I show your eyes. You know. Hopefully not. You're right, exactly. You don't okay. they would do that, but yeah, that's a common response. That's a common response. Why? No sati. Anyone, never mind if they've ever heard an ounce of Dhamma before, if they would wake up, they would recognize traumatizing a child who's already having a tantrum is not a wise idea. Yeah. And I've seen several times that I've seen children getting really traumatized like that. 
One of them, I was in a grocery store one time and a child wanted some cereal. They were in the cereal aisle. While mom took her child into the cereal aisle, I don't know. But she did. And there the kid is wanting and wanting and wanting. And this woman didn't know what to do. So she walked away. She literally left her child screaming in the golf cart, in the grocery cart. Not a wise idea. Yeah, but if she'd cultivated more sati, then maybe... No, the thing to do at that case is let the child have whatever they want and says, okay, you can have this while we're in the store. But when we leave the store, you got to give it back to me. We're not going to buy it. Is that okay? You can have it now. And the kid will take it. Yeah, there's there's skillful ways. uh, Yeah, there's skillful ways to handle that kind of stuff. Exactly. But when we have no sati... We don't have skillful ways. And when yeah. we don't have sati, is it the worst possible moment when the woman freaks out because her kid's having a tantrum in the grocery aisle? Yeah, so it makes sense. Like, if we cultivate sati, we like, have more capacity to deal with things in our lives that would normally <laughs> trigger us to go into like, autopilot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To come off of that autopilot when you need to. Yeah. Wakey, wakey, Captain. Take a look at what's going on, take control of the situation. <laughs> that's exactly what we're talking about that's the whole practice of it hmm. and so waking up and seeing what's going on is the whole practice and that we, whenever we do that we can do it with a whole lot of false alarms and in fact almost all of the alarms that we would call like uh, at the worst possible moment most of those worst possible moments are false alarms anyway yeah. But in fact, you could ha- when that kid wanted that uh, package of cereal, she could have said, okay, you can have it while we're in the store. And the kid wouldn't even have had to. Yeah, have I mean, there's there like a million. Yeah, in that moment, it felt like there's only one option, and that's to like yell at the kid or whatever. But in reality, there's a thousand options. <laughs> like, um, and if you could, I mean, even just like not doing anything, like that's another option. You could wait a second, you could wait two seconds. Mm-hmm. But that takes sati. Yeah, that's why sati is so we can take a look at what's going on, assess the situation, so that we can behave appropriately. But most yeah. of us will just jump right in with whatever feeling we have. Yeah. So yeah, this is a major sense. change in one's personality because we're not jumping into things the way that we used to. That we can wake up and check a look and see what's going on. And one's whole life will begin to change. So, yeah. Yeah, sorry, go And so there are um, uh, actions and options that we can work on directly, like what is the worst possible case? I have one friend who um, was in, in the state that he would get very uptight when in conversation with people on technical uh, job-related things. And so with him, we had the idea, okay, uh, conversation with the boss, 10 seconds ahead, take a deep breath, look how your shoulders are, relax, and be ready for this conversation. Yeah. That was less than a year ago, and things have changed so much that now his boss is talking to him instead of about firing him, is about make, uh, starting a new company and making him a partner. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Because he was able to manage his uh, uh, freakouts. Yeah, he had the Saudi, like in the moment where he would normally freak out, to be like, you know, instead of freaking out, relax my shoulders. Yeah, I could shoulder, take, a take deep away breath, some of these ingredients of stress. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes a lot of and sense. It sounds and very so helpful. It, it does. It really does to, uh, to, to wake up and to be here now so that we can assess the situation and, and deal with it appropriately. Hmm. This is what sati is really all about. But you can see all the detailed elements of anapanasati built right in. Wake up. Look at what's going on. Take a deep breath, relax, uh, feel really good about yourself, that you're the winner here, you can take care of the situation, and you've got all the factors that you need. Your mind is sharp and focused. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to 
it's a continuum too, if like it's a skill that we can build. So mm -hmm. that'll be interesting over time to see like, you know, what is it? Like, I'm sure there's a gazillion things I'm not aware of right now, or like that. Yeah, I don't know. I just imagine it would be where the Saudi now will look different than the Saudi in the future, I guess. The things that mm -hmm. are like the stresses that I'm aware of, like the little undercurrents that are hard to notice. All right. Well, now you, you've got something that you can add to your practice, not just yeah. within the sitting, but to begin to wake up. So we will talk more and more then about the duality of um, uh, calming oneself down uh, and getting into the relaxed state of first jhana and maintaining that while we're on the cushion. And then, uh, on the other hand, work on so that we can get ourselves into that state throughout the day from time to time. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, so this week I'll, um, we're looking at having awareness throughout the day, or sati throughout the day. Um, mm -hmm. I can reflect on the Dhamma during my meditations. Is that a, is that a, or that is a good source of like wholesomeness um, and kind of introduce some of the things you talked about as far as like the investigation goes. And yeah, that sounds like a lot. Uh, thanks a lot. Okay, excellent. We'll see you later. This has been a good conversation. I've enjoyed. Good, thank you. Thank you for the good report, too. Good progress. Good to see you. Thank you. Have All right. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.